of Martin Page all day, all night, forever. So grab a cup of tea, settle down with us in the owl's nest. Grab a cup of tea and settle down with us. Well, it should have been grab a cup of tea and settle down with me. That rhymes, and I'm a songwriter, so uh, ah, let that one go, didn't I? Anyway, here we are, Radio Owl's Nest, uh, the songwriter's podcast, uh, coming to you from Los Angeles. That does sound quite glamorous, doesn't it? Uh, from my radio... Ah, uh, thank you. <laughs> They're up there in the rafters, so we're ready to go. Um, likely to be uh, surprised by anything that happens on this show from all the faders from previous shows. They all start moving. They're automatic, and I don't know how to control them all the time. So we may get interrupted, but there we go. <laughs> Two interruptions in a very, very short time. Um, You all know what the show's about if you've heard it before. If you haven't heard it before, this is about all my songs um, from my vaults, from my archives and uh, from my past. It's my podcast and I'll be playing you rare demo... Oh, for goodness sake. (laughs) Go away! Uh, Rare demos... um, I kept quiet then because I thought there was going to be another attack. But no, we seem to be okay. Looking here at the faders, they look like they're all down. We're safe to go. It's all my rare demos anyway. I go, put my hand into my cassette box, my dat box, my tape box, and I pull out uh, rare... Oh, for fuck's sake. Go away. That must be... Now, there was a fader up. That was my bad DJing again. The screaming fader has been left up too long. Anyway, this is a bloody long intro. Um, Let's start playing some music. And I felt quite poignant uh, and quite emotional uh, before the show started. So I looked for a song that I hadn't uh, found for the longest times. And I remembered it. It was called Riding Fire. And I wrote this song with Bernie Taupin. Um, I did find the rare Dat demo. And I wrote this in with Bernie in 1986 and Bernie sent me this lyric um, immediately after the tragic loss of the space shuttle Challenger um, uh, that took off on January the 28th and then within a few seconds uh, blew up and uh, we were stunned to watch this on TV at that time and very soon after it happened and we were all stunned Bernie sent me a lyric that he must have written almost immediately and it really relates to uh, uh, the teacher astronaut that was on the the female teacher on the uh, that was on the Challenger, uh, her name was Krista McAuliffe, and I can uh, when Bernie sent me the lyrics and I, I perused them, I could see that he was uh, speaking a great deal about uh, her. Anyway, um, I got the demo together really quite quickly again, and it was on a 16 track and. Um, I remember my dad was around me then, he was alive, and he worked for NASA and British Aerospace, and every time he was, he heard this song, he, he was very moved by it. So, for some reason, I just felt I wanted to look for this song and play it. It is so rare. So let me play it to you now. This is the demo of Riding Fire. Yeah. 
A very rare demo um, from my vaults, a song I wrote with Bernie Taupin uh, back in 1986. And it was based, uh, Bernie was writing that lyric really based on the tragedy of the Space Shuttle Challenger. And um, I saw it really as a tribute to the seven astronauts that lost uh, their lives uh, that day. And um, 
as I mentioned, you know, the tragedy had happened and we were all shocked. And then within about uh, two hours, uh, I received this lyric from Bernie. And uh, I wrote this song in the 80s, so I was tr also trying to portray, I think, as the lyric was, this sense of courageousness and that nothing would stop these people uh, going to explore space. And in a way, uh, the music I was writing then was trying to give that flavour. I think if I wrote this song now, I would be uh, uh, coming to it in a very, very different way and writing it from a, possibly a slower and much more... Um, emotional aspect but when I first uh, uh, attacked this song I, I felt that his lyrics were trying to say nothing's gonna stop um, these people doing what they had to do what they loved to do and they were doing for the world so I think the music um, what I wrote then was reflecting that but uh, yes as a songwriter now I probably would look at that lyric and write it in a very very different way well, how about some brand new music? Um, not from the 80s, right from now. I've been working on uh, some instrumental songs for a new instrumental album called The Soft Mask of the Fox. And how about a bit of esoteric music? I think so. This is a song called Kulu, and it's uh, based on the Aboriginal Australian people's vision of the creation of life. It came from a meteorite that started Dreamtime in Australia and they called it Kulu.
Okay, gang, you can uh, put away the lava lamp, you can hide the drugs, take off the white druid smock, and you can come back to real life. That's a new instrumental called Kulu, the Aboriginal god for the beginning of life in Australia. I was playing with Mini Moogs, I was playing with the grandmother Mini Moog, I was playing with the OB6 and Jupiter 8 and thousands of delays and volume pedals, and um, I created my own Aboriginal god. Hi, this is Trevor Thornton here, and I play drums for Q-Phil. Yes, I really do. Are you sure? Yes, I really do. Uh, I'm not so sure. And you're listening to Radio Owl's Nest with Mind Page, where you'll only hear Mind Page songs all day and all night long. It's a good thing. Will it ever end? No, 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 Trevor, it will never end. You will all have to suffer for eternity. Radio Owl's Nest is here to stay, I think. Um, here's another weirdo from my past. It's uh, a demo made in the 90s called Pandora's Box. And I think you can tell by the title, it's me ravingly angry against all the politicians in the world. Uh, this track is featured on Poetry of Collisions Volume 2. I think that's a triple album of all these odds and sods and buggers that I find in the vault. Um, anyway, check it out. Uh, actually, an interesting story about Pandora's boxes. After In the House of Stone and Light, my first solo record, I started to compile all these different songs. And at one point, one mad point, I thought possibly Pandora's box may make an entry into my second solo album. It didn't. And so it remains a rare demo. Angry about politicians.
on the nuclear cross How dare you open Pandora's box Let all the devils out playing God Love to shock Brother, you just don't know when to stop Got your hand in Pandora's box Shaking the demons out Talking war Predator We all know those politicians that open the door to Pandora's box, don't we? Unfortunately. That's me in the 90s, uh, playing all the stuff myself, programming a Lindrum and doing my thing, uh, making noise. Um, Pandora's box, a rarity. You'll find it on Poetry of Collisions, Volume 2. Bootsy, when I'm milking my cows, I see in my fields crop circles. Does that mean that my cows are extraterrestrials? Ah, oh, that makes me feel so warm inside because that's the accent of where I came from, Hampshire in Southampton, the West Country. Ooh, ah. And all the cows are extraterrestrials, by the way. So why don't we slow it down and go into not the West Country of England, but the, uh, the West Coast of California? I'm going to play you a... This whole show is very rare demos, isn't it? Um, I'm going to play you a demo that I wrote with the great John Lind, um, one of the first American uh, songwriters I wrote with in the early 80s when I came from England to L.A. Uh, he was a writer with Earth, Wind & Fire. He wrote uh, Crazy For You for Madonna and Boogie Wonderland for Earth, Wind & Fire, uh, amongst thousands of other brilliant songs. And uh, I got together with John, and it was a wonderful mixture. I'm going to play you a song that we wrote at the time that uh, I got with Earth, Wind & Fire and wrote the song Touch uh, with John Lind for Earth, Wind & Fire. We also wrote a song called Standing in the Rain. Uh, his wife wrote the lyrics and uh, it was me and John that created the melody and the chords. And it's an eight-track demo. Uh, it's John Lind who has a wonderful falsetto vocal singing the lead vocal and me singing uh, some of the backgrounds and doing the synth bass and playing a synth solo and programming the drums. We uh, had a brilliant time doing this. We moved his Rhodes uh, keyboard into my house, which uh, had a Fostex 8 track in, uh, and I had the Jupiter 8 synthesizer. So I wrote the song at his place, and then he came to mine because I had some of the, uh, some of the gear there. 
this is such a R&B song. It is so West Coast, and uh, I have uh, lovely memories of um, doing this demo because it was really me um, coming towards what I loved, which was great American writing, and John actually reflected that great sense of, uh, of soul. Anyway, have a listen to this very raw demo. Apologies for it being a eight track and coming from a cassette, but this is a song called Standing in the Rain. Walking along, this is our old street. Now the rain is dark, the air is bittersweet. I'm watching your lights go off. Thank you. 
an early demo um, from the 80s, a song I wrote with the great John Lind, a song called Standing in the Rain. It does make me think of uh, artists like um, The Shy Lights and Champagne and Gino Vanelli and the Delphonics and, of course, the Stylistics. Um, great to write with John. It was exciting because I was coming from uh, London and England with the synthesizers and the 80s beginning to break with um, all the new wave music and uh, John was the uh, the epitome of great, great harmonic, soulful uh, music. So the two of us getting together, um, I must admit, it felt very special. Well, I thought this might be a fun thing to do. Um, recently, I was asked by somebody, what would be your 10 um, desert island discs? If you got stranded out there, what 10 discs would you take with you? And I thought, um, that's a good question. I'd be very interested to hear what you guys out there would pick as your best 10 albums. Uh, it's easy to pick possibly the top three or top five, but 10, 10, that's difficult. But here, now, at this very moment, I'm going to uh, tell you what I would take on a desert island with me. My 10 most favorite albums. Of course, the island would have to have internet or a turntable, electricity or a CD player. Um, but we won't worry about that. Number one, it would be The Beatles' Abbey Road. Uh, for a number of reasons, that album, when I was a child, really hit me. Um, and in fact, I felt like that record was when the Beatles really uh, became brilliant musicians, Abbey Road. And actually, Sir George Martin actually says that that's his favourite record as well, producing the Beatles. So number one is Abbey Road. Uh, number two reveals my deep-seated uh, progressive rock love. Um, it would be by Genesis, early Genesis, selling England by the pound. That record, particularly Dancing with the Moonlit uh, Night, the uh, first track, um, I, I just fell in love with. I was stranded in, actually stra not stranded in an island, but stranded in America as a young schoolboy, um, away from my friends, and I fell in love with that album. It reminded me of Pastoral England. Number two, that was Selling England by the Pound. Number three, one of the greatest, I believe, popular songwriters of all time, Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, the epitome of a brilliant double album. Uh, right from funeral um, for a friend, the album starts off and goes all the way through with brilliant songs. So number three, it has to be Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Number four, the Beatles again, as a very, 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 very young lad. Um, a Hard Day's Night was the album and the movie that just uh, bowled me over. I couldn't believe, as a kid, playing that whole record and loving every single song on that record. John Lennon writing a lot of them, very acoustic-based, but um, it hit me. And I think albums, when they hit you at a certain time in your life, they seem even more special, don't they? So number four, A Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. Now we're going to go into soul, the greatest soul, and one of the greatest soul singers and uh, instrumentalists and artists of all time, Stevie Wonder, and an album called Music of My Mind. I mean sonically and the adventurous uh, nature of those songs, especially for an R&B uh, performer, I thought was outstanding. Funky music at its very best with a meaning, and that's uh, one of the albums that I studied bass on. Music of My Mind, Stevie Wonder, that's number five. Now we come to a great underground, rather unknown, Scottish band called The Blue Nile and an album called A Walk Across the Rooftops. Well, that does sound exciting. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness, that was a fader that shouldn't appear, but I think it was at the right time. Um, so this album, A Walk Across the Rooftops by uh, a three-piece uh, a band called The Blue Nile from Scotland. Um, I was in LA having quite a lot of success writing pop songs, and then I bought this album in a discount store, and um, I played it for the rest of time. It was so romantic and innovative and unusual and um, sonically again yeah it was just of another level um, I, I believe me if you fall in love with the blue nile you never fall in love with anybody else ever again so that was number six a walk across the rooftops by the great scottish band the blue nile and now we go to one of the, if not the best, soul singer of all time, Marvin Gaye, for my number six, the album What's Going On. What can we say about that? It is the, um, the gold medal, really, uh, the platinum medal um, of soul albums. So, so politically motivated, yet so musical. Uh, mercy mercy me um, i remember listening to that uh, single in south carolina again as a youth and thinking that's from another planet and uh, i would want this album to be with me all time so that is number seven from the great marvin gay what's going on and for number eight let's go into rock at last day yeah let's go into rock and there's no stronger or more powerful or louder band than the who and the album that knocked me out, I know what you're going to say, you're going to go, who's next? But for me, because I was into that kind of slightly progressive rock, um, I thought Quadrophenia was amazing. Uh, again, I was a stranded kid in America following my dad around the American uh, air bases. And we were driving through the desert one day and uh, on came some of Quadrophenia. And that would have been um, 515 and uh, the real me. And I... <laughs> My hair blew up and um, I just thought I got to get hold of this record. And then when I bought Quadrophenia, um, I listened very deeply to the musicality of what Pete Townsend was doing. It was very thematic, like Tommy. And uh, f for me, out of all the music that Townsend's uh, written, Quadrophenia, I think, is when he's hitting his peak. So I would want Quadrophenia with me. And that's number eight. Number nine, I'm going to get back into the hairy world. Yes, when you were at art college and you had long hair, they called you the hairies. Uh, you weren't the mods, you weren't the skinheads, you were the intellectual hairies. Um, and I was listening to Early Genesis, and that was... I'm going to put two albums here at the same time, because to me they resonate the same. Um, and it's Nursery Crime and Foxtrot by Genesis. Early Genesis, when they were just starting, and Peter Gabriel, um, and those two records, again, were magical, 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 in the sense that they took you into um, Alice in Wonderland. They were really thematic, and I thought Peter Gabriel's voice was totally unique. Also, we have to remember that the musicality of Genesis, the players, uh, in all these different time signatures, what they, what they took on was so special. Um, no other band was doing that. You had Yes, but to me, Genesis were writing songs and they had melody. So that for me, number nine, give me, uh, give me a little bit of room here. I'm gonna put in Nursery Crime and Foxtrot. Now to number 10, the end. I've gotta to go to Stevie Wonder again because Talking Book, Talking Book was an exceptional record. You put the headphones on, you got lost in, the, in, in his uh, ultimate sense of songwriting his uh, freedom of playing 
and uh, the strength of the songs. So for me, Talking Book, um, I'd have to say, was uh, number 10. But I have to put 10 and a half here because Devotion by Earth, Wind and Fire is still to me uh, one of the greatest double albums, live albums ever recorded. So I'm making a lot of room here. Um, so number 10 has got to go. But Stevie Wonder and the great Earth, Wind and Fire slash we have to say that the album I Am and Rays. Oh, here I go. They made some great records. So there we are. I'm stranded on an island. And those are my 10 favourite, plus others, albums of all time. I'm very interested to hear what your uh, uh, selection would be. It's not easy, I can tell you. It's not easy. Um, and for reserves, because I used to play soccer, you always have to have substitutes, reserves, a squad. Let me put a good word in for Sly and the Family Stone, the album called Fresh. Parliament, and that was the Mothership Connection. And the Brothers Johnson, the duo of pure funk. That album is called Look Out for Number One. Yes, Thunder Thumbs and Lightning Licks. Uh, that's my top ten with a mass of other brilliant stuff. Let me know what is your Desert Island Discs. That was fun. I enjoyed that. It made me rack my brain. You know, I didn't throw in there Catch a Fire by the great Bob Marley. So, gonna play you a demo from the 90s. Never been heard before. Pagey, with a song called The Sun Is Gonna Rise. A bit of reggae.
Yes, I keep on saying the word rare. <laughs> like a rare steak. But yes, a, oh, this whole show seems to be like rare demos. Uh, this was made in the 90s whenever I was doing a lot of hard work and it seemed very, very sort of precious and deep and hard and uh, the pressure was on me. I would take a moment and I would do what I loved and that was to write a reggae song. And uh, this song, The Sun Is Gonna Rise, was um, a little ditty I turned out in the 90s. And uh, I must admit, reggae um, to me is quite a religious thing. If you listen to all my music, uh, even in the House of Stone and Light, beneath all the veneer, you'll hear subliminal reggae. Um, I grew up um, in England um, and around the 70s, there was the wonderful bands like uh, the Pioneers, Toots and the Matils, uh, God, Prince Buster, Hugh Roy um, and Harry Jay and the All-Stars and, we, of course, Desmond Decker. Um, and, and, and when I came to America, again, as I was, I'm relating to that period when I came as a young lad uh, following my dad around all the American air bases, there was no reggae, no reggae, except for Johnny Nash. Um, uh, you know, Cupid, draw back your bow. Yes, he had a, a very soulful hit that reminded me of reggae. But in America at that time, no reggae, except for Dave and Ansel Collins had a hit called Double Barrel. And uh, that's when reggae started to creep into the American mindset. Anyway, there ends your reggae instruction for the day. Now, I've always said that reggae is a folk music, a folk music of rhythm. And uh, that brought me to the real folk music of England. And I want to play you a song from an album of mine called A Temper of Peace. And this song is called What Did I Do to Deserve You? Won't you wear your harvest bow Like a badge upon your sword And we'll lay again beneath the crescent moon Can you feel the long grass sway Your breath against my face and once again, yeah, you will be my muse What did I do? What did I do to deserve you? While above us only stars You carved your name into my heart where forever it remains my soul's tattoo what did i do what did i do to deserve you what did i do what did i Take this blood red rose to your gentle soul. Lay your pain on this wreath of rain. Sleep on weary leaves till our bodies weave like two rivers. See. 
pay Well it reminds me every day How your light guides me home And gets me through What did I do? What did I do To deserve you? What did I do? What did I do To deserve you? I let the track run on there. A little bit of ambience. I remember recording this song and sticking the microphone out of the window of the studio to catch all the birds. And you know, around this time I was writing this song for this album, A Temper of Peace, um, I was learning to play acoustic guitar really late in my career. So I bought all these wonderful uh, Taylor guitars and I started to learn all the Donovan songs. Every song that Donovan ever wrote. I nicked them. I admit it. And I also learnt mandolin um, to play on this song. When you're a songwriter, you have to understand all the different styles of popular music. And I really hadn't studied uh, folk music too much. And so I went out to uh, Amoeba in uh, Hollywood and bought so many records in their area, which was folk, uh, hidden away in the back. Yes, you had to look for it. And I bought a lot of uh, Ralph McTell and the Watersons and uh, Mike Scott and the Water Boys, as much as I could take in. I studied, I studied, I studied. That's what songwriters do. This is the Queen from Buckingham Palace. I've always wondered if going into Brexit was the right thing to do. Oh, don't you just love the Queen? I love her like Paul McCartney loves her on the last track of Abbey Road, Her Majesty. Check it out. I'm bowing down now. Please knight me. Anyway, how do you finish a Radio Owl's Nest show? That has been all rare demos. You play another rare song, written in the 90s with Bernie Taupin, unheard, I am not the enemy. You wear your red dress like a rebel flag, you swim for safety when the current drags, when the night descends and your lips are dry.
This is a show of uh, rare stakes. No, I mean rare demos. Um, that is a song called I Am Not The Enemy, written with Bernie Taupin in the 90s. My God, my God, winners. Thank you. I don't. <laughs> we knew that was going to happen at the end of the show. A fader was up. Bong. Anyway, back to this song. Uh, it was written around the time that Urgent from Foreigner was uh, happening on the radio. And uh, you can hear that with the guitars. And that is the brilliant Brian Fairweather, my best mate, playing all those guitars. If you offered him a coffee, um, a crumpet and a lot of cash, he would play for you because he was Scottish. And I must say, uh, when you get the lyrics from Bernie Taupin and you glance at the middle eight and it says, If you need the violence, I'll share the pain. And then on the fade, it says, when your lips are dry, I'll bring you water. Come on, guys. That's the real shit. Release the dragon. <laughs> it's time for the quote of the month. The quote of the show. The moment when you roll your eyes and say, what a philosophical wanker this songwriter really is. It's from William Blake. As the true method of knowledge is experiment, the true faculty of knowing must be the faculty that experiences. William Blake. 
I'm sure William Blake loved his tea as well. And when the kettle was boiling, he felt inspired. Uh, as we finish here, I want to thank uh, Vanessa Levitt for running all the social media and uh, being the greatest supporter. And I want to thank David Knight in Canada for all his incredible inspired artwork. And my manager, Diane Poncher, because she puts up with me. And you, the Owlheads, I will never take you for granted. My music lives because of you. Please, please, please look after all the animals in the world, the innocent animals. We have dominion over them, and it's our job to look after them. Okay, be happy. Look on the bright side of life, and I shall see you again in the Owl's Nest. You bet.